Learning Outside the Lines podcast. I'm Anne Ryan, your host, homeschool mom of four, and passionate about education and helping our children learn best. I hope wherever you are, you are keeping warm if you're in the Northern Hemisphere. It seems like if we're not getting pounded by snow, we're getting pounded by rain. So hopefully wherever you are, you're keeping warm or you're keeping dry. And if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, I hope you're staying cool and not too hot. So today, I want to thank you for checking in with us and taking some time to listen to a new episode. And today we are talking about game schooling. So I had the wonderful privilege of attending Game School Con in Irvine, California last week, and it was amazing. So what is Game School Con? It was a gathering of homeschool families, about 500 people to learn through great games, to learn about new games, to learn how to use games for learning, and how to connect with other homeschoolers to share ideas and play together. So when I talk about games, I'm referring to all kinds of games, board games, card games, video games, active games such as Nerf battles, Lego challenges, life-size chess boards, all those kinds of things. We also met and listened to board game developers and other gaming professionals such as reviewers, sellers, YouTube channels, all kinds of things. And it was a great chance to learn not only more about the tabletop game industry for those that are interested in that aspect, but it was also great just to hear all the different options out there for gaming that I hadn't even really thought of before, from video games to board games, all kinds of gaming aspects. And I loved it also because there was an incredible game library that you could try out many games for yourself to see how you like it. There were game developers there as well demonstrating their games, which was amazing since sometimes we can be intimidated by games if we don't know how to play them. So they were demoing the game so you could see exactly how to play it if you weren't sure about it. And my kids were able to learn about new games but they also met other kids and played games with them. And it was such a great, easy connector because a child would sit down with a game at a table and you had a flag. We had these little flags with all the pictures of the games that you would put on a table or wherever you were. Basically, that flag was a sign for whoever wanted to come and check that game out, whether observing or joining in and playing, they could just come and join in that game. and. Once kids figured this out, it was awesome because kids would just come and join in these games and it was a fabulous way to meet new people as well as learn to play new games. And this was all ages and adults. So it was it was really, really fun. And of course, I also supported my local game stores with a few purchases, of course, including Sushi Go Party, which hello, I love that game. That's very fun. And various dice because You can't just have a regular dice. No, there's all colors, shapes, sides of dice. And of course we had to buy dice for RPG games, role-playing games. And we also bought a kendama, which is that ball and stick, which my daughter had been wanting for a while. And we also got a role-playing book called Little Wizards that I'm looking forward to reading and playing. And there was just such a great variety to choose from and look at and talk to people about. It was such a great opportunity. And I share this in that I hope maybe next year, this will be an annual event as far as I know, 
I hope maybe next year some people might travel and try to come and visit Southern California and attend this conference because it was truly a wonderful event. And I think it is so valuable. And if you live somewhere else on the other side of the country or another part of the world, maybe you'll consider organizing one for yourself because it really is a great connection building kind of event, as well as just a wonderful opportunity to learn about games and gaming and how we can use those in learning. So let's talk more about game schooling. I don't think there's any hard and fast definition other than learning through games. And this is learning through a variety of games, from board games to video games to sports and other active games. Some people use games a lot in their educational model and others use it as a supplement or a reinforcement to learning. Whatever works for you and your child is great. There is no hard and fast rules about any modes of learning for that matter. The wonderful thing about games is that it can appeal to many different learning styles or needs. A visual learner can be attracted to the colors and pictures and layout of a game and enjoy the pathways that need to be followed within a game. And obviously a video game is very visual and can engage a child in ways that a book just can't. An auditory learner can learn through the spoken language of the game and instructions and conversation between players. The sound effects in a video game may hold their attention and help them connect with the information being gained. A hands-on learner can obviously learn better by simply moving game pieces throughout the game and handling cards or rolling dice. They obviously use hand-eye coordination with video games and lots of physical energy with things like tag or nerf battles or even a game like hopscotch, which can be used in a variety of ways. A social learner can obviously enjoy the interaction and connection between the players and learn better simply by being in their element of social interaction with a specific meaning. So there is a huge variety of benefits to gaming. And that again, that's board gaming and video gaming. We've been actively trying to engage in more game schooling for the last year, though we've definitely been using games many times over the years. I can remember using a reading scavenger hunt when my oldest, who's now 20, when he was about seven and he was a struggling reader. But using this game made it fun and not so intimidating or schoolish, which he had really come to dislike. But this game helped him concentrate and look at the clues and find the next clue. And really, he was reading without really knowing it. But again, it was all because it was a game and it was fun and it was different. There are so many incredible games now for all interests and subjects that you can find a game to suit any age and learning need. I met a wonderful game schooling resource person. Her name is Meg Grooms, and she has a great list of games by subject that I will link in the show notes and that you should definitely check out. For example, for math games, there are simple counting games like Hi-Ho Cheerio for the young ones that we all know about. But what about some swamp or dino math tracks for teaching place value? Pizza fractions or fruit salad fractions are simple games and easy to play, but they were huge for teaching my own kids fractions and what that actually looked like. 
I know some kids can look at the numbers on a page and see one eighth or one fourth and just not make a connection with it at all. But once they see a pizza and they see the different parts and they see it labeled with the one fourth or one eighth or whatever the fractions are, it suddenly makes sense to them. So these can be incredible learning tools for kids. I know the game of allowance was great for teaching money and simple math as well. And that, that was a game that I got at a thrift store years ago and has been played often. And games aren't just for younger kids. There are great apps like Dragon Box to help with algebra concepts for pre-algebra and games like Prime Climb and Sequence that help more for advanced numeric concepts. And there are so many out there that you probably are not even aware of. For social studies, I know we've used Professor Noggin's trivia cards in a variety of ways, from both basic trivia card games to war and matching similar interests or issues. You can really come up with your own house rules for a lot of these games. You don't have to follow what the suggested rules are. You can kind of do whatever works for you and your family. I know timeline history card games are great, and they're a little bit more cur current than the Professor Noggins card games. And if I had to choose, I might choose them first. Um, a Ticket to Ride. I'm sure many of you have heard of this game. It can teach geography and has various versions of the game for different countries and different places. The Oregon Trail card game is very popular these days. And a game like Seven Wonders not only teaches, but it has beautiful cards to look at. For language arts, there's lots of different options. And one of the ones that we've played most recently is Pop for Sight Words, which looks like a popcorn bucket. And it has sight words on these little popcorn shaped cards. And my daughter really likes this. Not only is it kind of fun to look at, but it's an easy, fun reinforcement for sight words, especially for someone who might be a struggling reader. And obviously, Old standbys like Boggle or Scrabble are good, but Bananagrams is newer, and there's a Scrabble Junior now if you need something a little similar. And these are great for early spelling and can be played for all levels with some assistance, even your really young ones. Sometimes people don't really think there's maybe a lot of games for science, but you would be wrong. For science, there are so many out there. Things like Wildcraft are great for herbal studies and plants. Simple Machines is a card game for inventions. And Evolution, the beginning, is a great option for memory and adaptation and ecosystems, which is one that we recently got and we are learning how to play, but looks great. Some games can look a little confusing and maybe you just have a hard time reading instructions for games and understanding how to play. And you are definitely not alone because I can be this way as well. And the great thing in this day and age is, hello, YouTube. YouTube is great for watching videos to see how some of these games are played, as well as to hear short little reviews. You can either listen to maybe a three, four, five minute video on either a quick recap of how to play the game or a review up to you know 20 minutes 30 minutes however long the game might be for a full run through of the game to see exactly how it's played this is so valuable and i think it unlocks games in a way that never really had access before so i think this is a great option it's also a great way just to kind of get a feel for what the game looks like how many pieces it might have 
um, how complex it is. And that's a great way to be able to just get a quick sense of a game. You might have younger ones and you might look at a game and it has tons of little pieces, tons, tons of cards or other accessories, and you might decide, uh, that's not the best for us right now. And so you can, you'll know ahead of time just what's included with a game like that. The options are really endless, and I'd encourage you to narrow down some of your needs, such as multiplication facts or a specific history period, and ask for recommendations. There are two really popular Facebook pages that I love that are very popular and extremely helpful when it comes to board games. One is called Game Schooling, Homeschooling with Games. This is Meg Groom's page on Facebook. There's also another one called Game School Community by My Little Poppies. That's another very popular one. And they are great for sharing recommendations, reviews, ideas. If you went on there and you said, hey, I'm really looking for a game to reinforce um, math facts, addition and subtraction, they will easily give you lots of options to look into. Another great resource is BoardGameGeek.com. It's a great site for games and it has ratings and reviews. The other thing I really like about it is it has level of difficulty ranking from one to five, one being the easiest, five being the most difficult. And I find this very valuable because I'm a person that really doesn't like very complex games at this point, especially not with my youngest daughter. So this helps me kind of narrow down if there's something I'm looking for and it has a higher level of difficulty, I might wait on that. It also kind of explains the different types of games like world building versus uh, deck building, strategy, all those kinds of things. It will explain all of those kind of definitions and the types of games. It also has a nice little feature of gameplay time duration. So it'll give an estimate of if a game is only 5 to 10 minutes versus 60 minutes. And that obviously makes a huge difference for a lot of people. Like I know for us with my daughter, we are really into short games right now. Anywhere from maybe 5 to 15 minutes is kind of what we focus on. Just because that's her attention span, that is kind of what she's into right now. So we're not playing longer games like... Monopoly or something like that that takes a lot longer. We're just taking less time to play some faster, kind of quick, easier thinking games. And also, you don't necessarily have to buy a board game. Don't forget that there's resources like Pinterest and Teachers Pay Teachers for printable games that you can get for free or just a few dollars. These are a great option and they often will have seasonal kinds of games. Like I know right now on Teacher Pay Teacher, they had some Valentine's and President's Day printable games right now for free. So there are a lot of options out there for, for gaming. And again, I mentioned Meg's page, which is homeschoolgameschool.com. And her website is just full of amazing information, especially the list of games by subject and age groups. So please check out her page because it is a great resource. So how can you find out more about games and playing more games? I would encourage you to organize a game day with other local homeschoolers 
where they each bring a game or two to not only play, but also give up maybe a little presentation or a review of the game for others so they can get a better idea if it might work for them. It also gives the kids a great chance to share what they're interested in as well. Talk to your local game stores as well, because they often will have weekly or monthly game days already, or maybe you can organize one during the day for your local homeschoolers. I know locally we have some stores that do this, and they have been really popular, and the game stores really do like to get people in there, because that's what they're all about. They want people to play games, and they want them to be interested in gaming. You could also start a co-op class where different families take a subject and find games relevant to that subject, such as history games or math games or spelling games, and have the kids lead the games whenever possible. This not only gives them presentation and speech skills, but it also helps them gain some confidence. But the parents can lead the games too, whatever works for you. I know my daughter is taking a game class right now that they basically learn different kinds of games and they just get to try out different games and they write up a little review after each class of the game with different questions about what they would improve about the game, what their favorite part about the game was, those kinds of things. And my daughter is really enjoying that class. And don't forget, this endeavor does not need to break the bank. I know there are lots of great, fun games out there. And I know for myself, I would love to just run out there and spend hundreds of dollars on games. But you can often find lots of games super cheap at consignment stores and thrift stores. The only caution here is make sure you take some time and count the cards and count the pieces because a game isn't going to work very well without all the parts needed. More than once I have taken up a sealed game up to the desk and said, hey, can I count the cards or can I count the pieces? And they've always said yes. So that's never been a problem. But it definitely has saved me because more than once I have found a game that I was really interested in and it was missing way too many pieces. Occasionally, I'll find a game that's only maybe missing one piece and it's something that I can replace very easily. But usually if it's missing too many pieces, I'll skip it. One thing to consider, sometimes some game player, some game companies will replace pieces for you very cheap or maybe even free. But I don't know if I would rely on that as you're shopping for some cheap games, but it's something to keep in mind. We did get some cards replaced once when I bought a game and didn't realize it was missing two cards that were very important to the gameplay. And I emailed them and they sent me the cards for free. So it does happen. Also buying the cheap or used games, it's a great way just to try out games to see what kinds of games your child likes, such as strategy versus memory versus simply kind of roll and move kind of games, and to find out what games you like as well. Some kids will, will like longer games where they world build and strategize more, and others like just simple, quick, fun games like my, my daughter right now. So don't be afraid to quit a game that isn't really being enjoyed or people just aren't kind of getting it. It's fine. There are so many options out there. Don't feel forced to finish something that you're really not enjoying that much. And if you want to start building up a, your own game school library, watch for sales, especially in the fall around Black Friday and Christmas. There are some amazing deals out there. I know last year, a lot of us were going to little bit crazy with some of the Amazon lightning deals and things like that. There were some great deals out there with games up to half price easily. 
So finally, remember that games are a great way to connect with each other. You're actually making eye contact. You're talking with each other. And obviously this is, I'm talking about board gaming. And you're giving each other your full attention, which can be harder to come by in this digital age as we well know. But you also have to remember that your kids aren't just learning specific facts or information from these games, but they're also learning from you through the language and the terminology that's used. For math games, you're using math language and you're talking about math in a real world way and you're making this topic real for them and meaningful, not just an abstract fact in a textbook or a problem in a textbook, but they're actually seeing it working and doing it. And that can really be a game changer for a lot of kids. And don't forget, there's a lot of cooperative games too. So it's not just about competition and who wins and who loses. There are lots of cooperative games out there now that you're working together, which is a huge skill to work on for kids these days and for even adults for that matter. But the cooperative games that are out there now are really high quality, so many great options, so many great games to choose from. If you want to see some of the games that we played at Game School Con, uh, be sure to check out my Instagram page at Latte Books to Read because I did post quite a few pics on there of some games that we played or some games that I observed being played, which sometimes seeing a game kind of set up or kind of in motion can help out what you're thinking a game might be about versus what it actually looks like. So just check that out if you're interested. So that was a fast and quick rundown of game schooling, but I think game schooling is such an important way of learning for kids that is often overlooked or maybe not validated sometimes. They think it's just play, but kids learn through play. And playing games is such a valuable way to make things real and make connections for kids with concepts that they might be having difficulties with, that playing games is really an underutilized way for kids to learn. And I really encourage you to check it out and look more into it for your child and your family. So thank you so much for listening today. I hope you got some great ideas. And again, make sure you check out those resources that I will link in the show notes so that you can access those easily. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please do so so you don't miss out on the next episode when it's released. And until next time, don't be afraid to go outside the lines. <laughs>